Welcome to Understanding the Bible with Pastor Stephen. This is a continuation of part two. We are in a war. Are you acting like it? So in part two, we were discussing uh, who the enemy is, and we were on um, the different positions of authority and power that angels have. We had talked about the fact that they have power over disease, the wind, um, different elements, things like that. And then we'd talked about their positions of authority, uh, that they are princes and kings, and that they actually appear to have authority over certain geographical regions. Okay, so what we're going to hit on next here is the archangel. Just continuing from last time, here we go. And then here's another one is uh, the rank of archangel. Now, this is pretty cool because it technically just means uh, chief angel, one who is the first or who is over others. This word archangel appears in like, I think it's only two places in the Bible. And it's applied to Michael, the archangel. First Thessalonians 4.16, it says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. In Jude 1.9, it directly calls Michael God's archangel. So that's pretty cool. We know the name of one of his chief angels. So I like that one. Archangel's pretty cool. Um, but we do know that there's several different species of angels. We don't know what they all are, but they're pretty crazy. So I'm going to read you two of them. Um, I think there's another one uh, that is called like the, the four beasts in heaven. Um, and he didn't know what to call them. He just called them beasts because they were great and powerful angels. Um, but the two that are named is seraphim and cherubim. So the first one, Seraphim, is on Isaiah 6, 1. In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Six wings and a voice that is so powerful, it shakes the house. And for some reason, the house filled with smoke as well. So that's a, obviously a very loud, very big, powerful one, right? And then cherubim, Genesis three twenty two, And the Lord God said, Behold, the man is as become as one of us to know good and evil. And now lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden. He kicked out Adam and Eve to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed at the east end of the garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword, which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. Now that alone should be enough to tell you that cherubims are not the cute little Valentine's day angels with the cherub faces and the little bows and arrows. These guys are great and powerful protectors with huge flaming swords, which turn every way. And I don't know what that means. Maybe it's like some sort of giant lightsaber. I don't know. But these guys are guards that were guarding the perfect garden of Eden and the tree of life. Yeah. And these guys are no joke. Okay. So they are warrior angels. There's no way around this. Okay. These guys are scary. Now, here's read the description of them, though. 
Ezekiel 1.1 tells us what they look like. Now it came to pass in the 30th year and the fourth month and the fifth day of the month as I was among the captives by the river of Chabar that the heavens were open and I saw visions of God. In the fifth day of the month, which is, was the fifth year of King Jehoiakim's captivity, the word of the Lord came expressly unto Ezekiel the priest, the son of Buzi, in the land of the Chaldeans by the river Chabar, and the hand of the Lord was upon him there. And I looked, and behold, a whirlwind came out of the north, a great cloud and a fire enfolding upon itself, and a brightness was about it, and out of the midst thereof is the color of amber, out of the midst of the fire, also out of the midst thereof came the likeness of four living creatures." And this was their appearance. They had the likeness of a man and every one had four faces and every one had four wings and their feet were straight feet. And the sole of their feet was like the sole of a calf's foot. And they sparkled like the color of burnished brass. And they had the hands of a man under their wings on their four sides. And they four had their faces and their wings. Their wings were joined one to another. They turned not where they went. They went everyone straight forward. As for the likeness of their faces, they four had the face of a man and the face of a lion on the right side, and they four had the face of an ox on the left side, and they four also had the face of an eagle. Thus were their faces, and their wings were stretched upward. Two wings of every one were joined one to another, and two covered their bodies. And they went every one straight forward, whither the spirit was to go, they went, and they turned not when they went. As for the likeness of the living creatures, their appearance was like the burning coals of fire and like the appearance of lamps that went up and down among the living creatures. And the fire was bright and out of the fire went forth lightning and the living creatures ran and returned as the appearance of a flash of lightning. Now this would fit with the uh, cherubim standing at the uh, entrance to the Garden of Eden with the sword that flashed every direction. As they moved, they appeared as a flash of lightning. That's pretty cool. Now, as I beheld the living creatures, behold, one wheel upon the earth by the living creatures was his four faces. The appearance of the wheels and their work was like unto the color of a barrel, and they four had one likeness, and, and they four had one likeness, and their appearance and their work was as it were a wheel in the middle of a wheel. When they went, they went upon their four sides, and they turned not when they went. As for their rings, they were so high that they were dreadful, and their rings were full of eyes around about them four. And when the living creatures went, the wheels went by them. And when the living creatures were lifted up from the earth, the wheels were lifted up. Whithersoever the spirit was to go, they went. Thither was their spirit to go, and the wheels were lifted up over against them. For the spirit of the living creature was in the wheels, with eyes all around them. When those went, these went. And when those stood, they stood. And when those were lifted up from the earth, the wheels were lifted up over against them. For the spirit of the living creature was in the wheels. And the likeness of the firmament upon the heads of the living creatures was as the color of the terrible crystal stretched forth over their heads above. And under the firmament were their wings straight, the one toward the other. Everyone had two which covered on this side and everyone had two which covered on that side their bodies. Very strange. Don't ask me what he means by all of that. But he says in chapter 10 that these are cherubs. These are some crazy, huge, weird-looking, wheeled creatures with four heads and six wings that do crazy stuff. And they appear like lightning when they move. They move so fast. Sorry, I meant four wings. The seraphim has six wings. These are angels. These are also demons. There are demons that are these same creatures, right? Now, these angels, they fight each other. The demons and angels are in a spiritual war and we're kind of in the middle of it. So in Jude 1, 9, it talks about fighting over Moses's body. It says, yet Michael, the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses. 
dared not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, the Lord rebuke thee. So when they fight and there is an angel stronger than them, they use God's name to fight. That's, that is a good thing to remember. And then, um, the angel, like I said about Daniel, uh, earlier was delayed answering Daniel's prayer because he was fighting other angels for 21 days. Think of that cosmic war for 21 days fighting an angel. Now that's the first enemy. That is our spiritual enemy that we have to fight Satan and his demons. The second enemy is this physical world. So I want you to think of, um, just as an example, Roe versus Wade. Now I talked about it in episode 30. Suffice it to say that abortion is the murder of an unborn child, the ultimate innocent death, right? So doctors intentionally and knowingly murdered children and ripped them apart. You cannot be a quote doctor. And I say that because you're really an evil Nazi Holocaust piece of trash. You cannot be a doctor and pull out arms and legs from a woman's womb and take the head out and save the heads like they have on video of Planned Parenthood doing because they want to use the eyeballs and the stem cells from the the back of the neck. They literally tear these babies apart alive. So these doctors are evil. Now, you might have at the front desk of Planned Parenthood a secretary or maybe a finance person that decides how the bill gets paid and sends it to the state to get paid or to some nonprofit organization or bills you and asks for your credit card, right? You have the finance guy. These people are complicit in this evil murdering of children, right? But they are not overtly doing an evil act. So you have people that are participating in the evil. They are complicit in it, but they're not actually doing the evil. Okay. Maybe like a bank robbery and you have the driver versus the guys that go in with guns and shoot up the place. Now, then you have a third enemy in this world, which is the people that are doing evil, but they're ignorant. Like the young girl who is pregnant for the first time in her first trimester. And she's never heard anything, but abortion is a medical procedure and it's not a child. And she goes in and gets an abortion. That's someone who does something evil, murdering a poor, innocent child out of ignorance and, and honestly doesn't know that's what they're doing. Okay. So those are the three types of evil that we are fighting against in this physical world. Number one, evil humans who want to inflict pain and suffering. Revelations 2, 8 says, and unto the angel of the church in Smyrna, write, these things saith the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. I know thy works and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. And I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison that you may be tried. And you shall have tribulation 10 days. Be thou faithful unto death and I will give thee a crown of life. Evil humans in law, in law enforcement, in the juries, at the jail, we're going to cast them into prison, try them, in a public trial and then torture them and kill them. Evil people intentionally doing evil things. Then you have the complicit humans involved in wrongdoing, but maybe not intentionally doing evil. 
And then you have the ignorant who don't know what they're doing. Luke 23, 33, when Jesus was being crucified, says, and when they came to the place, which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. We as Christians have to fight on both fronts. The spiritual and physical world is like two fronts of a war, one in front of you and one on your flank next to you. If you turn to face one, you open yourself up to attack from the other. God says that we have already overcome, so we need not fear this. Colossians 2.13, And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that it was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Satan accuses us as being sinners. Handwriting of ordinances against us. God took that sin and nailed it to the cross. And so spoiled principalities and powers. That means he's already won the war and all you have to do is reap the rewards of it. That's what spoiling means. You go and you plunder the dead bodies. So principalities and powers is the spiritual demons, right? He made a show of them openly on the cross. And then three days later, when he rose from the grave, triumphing over them in it, they have nothing they can use against us. The only thing they had was sin that we commit to accuse us with. And God nailed it to the cross. They can't do that anymore. The demons hold no power over us. Luke 12, 4 And I say unto you, my friends, be not afraid of them that kill the body. And after that, have no more that they can do. Do not be afraid, even if Satan, like in Job, can wound you. And even if God gave him, released the restraints from him and let him kill you. After that, there's nothing else they can do. You're in heaven. Like with the resurrected body and perfect and no pain and they can't touch you. So why be afraid of them? James 4, 7 says, Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Just resist the demons. They, don't, they can't have any power over us. Our soul is already safe with God. Romans 8, 37, Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We've already won the war. The demons just don't believe it and are fighting to take as many human souls with them as possible. Or they do believe it and they're fighting to take as many human souls with them as possible. Matthew sixteen eighteen, And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. They cannot defeat us. Matthew twenty five forty one. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. The devil and his angels are going to hell. There's no escape from that. So our job is to always look for both enemies in this fight against evil. Find a partner or a battle buddy that will help fight alongside you. Someone that believes the same as you. Second Corinthians six fourteen. be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness and what communion hath light with darkness and what concord hath Christ with Belial or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel and what agreement hath the temple of God with idols for you are the temple of the living God. 
as God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord and touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you and I will be a father unto you and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord almighty. Find someone in your spiritual battle, a husband or wife that complements your weaknesses and has different spiritual gifts than you that can help you. If you don't want to get married, you don't have to get married. Find a battle buddy, find a fellow Christian who is willing to pray with you and help you fight physically and spiritually to do what is right, to fight evil and stand for what is good. Whether we like it or not, we're soldiers in a spiritual war. And if you don't understand that you are a literal soldier, you're going to have problems. If you don't understand who the enemy is and how to fight, then you're going to have problems. So next week, we're going to cover what is our purpose and our goal. And that's going to help you determine how to fight to accomplish your goal as a soldier in God's army. Until next time, God bless you all.